This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Dinkley. Today's top story, the whistleblower has had the whistle blown on. Sure. Did you hear about this? A lot of whistleblowing going on. There's a lot of blowing of whistles. Yes, yes, there is. So... I just saw this flash across foxnews.com, so it might not have hit the wires yet, but there has been an Intel Community Inspector General complaint, an ICIG whistleblower complaint filed, just like the complaint against Trump, filed against that whistleblower. Did you see this story, Binkley? I did not. Okay. We hit on every single element of this story we hit on yesterday. First of all, the reason the complaint was filed is that this new whistleblower says that the original whistleblower was illegally raising money on GoFundMe. (laughs) Can you believe that? Raised a quarter of a million dollars by saying, I'm an Intel agent and I need your help. And you're not allowed to be a, use your government position to raise money. That's just one thing in the story. Wow. It's right on the heels of the guy who stabbed the baby Trump float, who now has earned over $44,000 for his little stunt. Wow. Well, make... this GoFundMe was on your re- radar yesterday for yeah, sure. Yeah, you can make a killing on GoFundMe with political divisiveness. And that's what they were saying. They were saying they are making a cynical... The, the lawyer for the new whistleblower was saying these guys were cynically exploiting a national crisis for their own gain, that it was extreme, that they used the name of a charity as a different name from what they were actually raising money. It was very confusing. They created what a front. I said, yeah, which reminded me exactly of the Elijah Cummings thing. And by the way, Elijah Cummings' wife, who is at the center of that multi-million dollar fraud investigation, Uh is running for his seat. I saw that. Oh, my word. Anyway, this story reminded me just of that. Like they have two, they have different things like tax exempt or uh, things that seem like charities and then it goes somewhere else. And two of the organizations involved was were the law firm of the lawyer Zaid, who is also at the center of this story. I really got it. You were all that over one. that. One. I was <laughs> yeah. all. I mean, I just saw it because the only names you were seeing were the lawyer names. I was like, yeah. these lawyers are going to be the guys. And then they talk about one of this these charitable organizations, whistleblower aid, and I was like, that's Zaid's thing like he founded that which he did and he also has two names for that values united is another name for the whistleblower aid non values values united how like generic is that on the other side of it with giuliani's accomplices we have fraud Fraud, international and no fraud fraud guarantee oh fraud guarantee which is such a problematic title like so it's supposed to guarantee you against fraud but it really feels more like it's a guarantee of fraud. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't lead confidence to a potential customer when you Especially see that name. since it's a shell. Yeah. So they these guys employed a company called West End Strategies. They used basically I guess the whistleblower aid company paid over $200,000 to West End Strategies maybe for more than just this case, but this whistleblower 
did raise over $200,000 through GoFundMe, but I thought the tagline of West End Strategies or what's on their about page was rather interesting. This is, so these guys paid them as like an ad and marketing firm. Hold on a second. Then, yeah. This whistleblower at the center yes. of the Ukraine thing raised yes. over 200000 yes. with his lawyer's help through this GoFundMe? Yes. Are you kidding me? No. My gosh. I know. I know. What a, what a know. crock. But plus the flip is script. The flip is script. The script is flipped just like we were talking about yesterday. All the stuff we talked about yesterday is bubbling up today. And I mean, it looks kind of genuine to me. It looks like they really were using GoFundMe in a bad way, which is what you always say. And I and I always balance like what? how much of this is a psyop and how much of this is them just making money. And it's like always both. <laughs> yeah, they're always going to cash in a little bit while they're pushing their psy out forward. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of funny. That's like, unbelievable. Why waste this I know, and they, so they this, continue yeah. to act like his name name is not out there. The whistleblower who has not been identified yet, they are not saying that the person who has been identified is not the whistleblower. People should at least question why they continue to say he hasn't been identified. He hasn't I been think, identified. I think I saw just a flashing line that said that media. The big media companies were voluntarily not saying his name as like a, a, a virtue. Like a, that's how they're acting like it. But when they say he has not been identified, that's a lie. Well, are we positive that's what who I he is? I guess it's you know, you're right. We're not positive it's this guy. They they Maybe could it's be a setup. It could be a setup, <laughs> but they're not coming out and saying that person who's been identified by Republicans is not the person, so they're not doing that. Yeah, they could probably find the answer if they wanted it. Yeah. There's no reason not to. But listen to what West End Strategy, their marketing firm, does. This whistleblower <laughs> right. aids marketing firm. He influ the head guy, Dorf, influences progressive politics, skillfully shifting the conversation to achieve the goals of West End Strategy clients. Now you've got to listen to that again because this is skillfully this, shifting so, to meet the so goals. So manipulative, yeah, yeah. It influences progressive politics, skillfully shifting the conversation to achieve the goals of West End strategy clients. Which would seem to be to impeach right now, or to at least cause no, an impeachment trial. I think it's trial. worse than that. I think it's worse than that. What do I you think, think it is? I think that. Progressive, the way they want to present progressive politics and their goals is that there's this united front, oh, right. united resistance, that it's all for the good. It's all for the good of, of humanity. Even the deep state is working against Trump, who is bad for this country. Everyone's just doing it out of the goodness of their heart because they have these like elite goals, these noble goals. And this is saying we will influence progressive politics and skillfully shift the conversation to achieve the goals of our clients, which are not 100% aligned with the goals of the millions of people who, who are activated by those clients. That's I mean, his very goal is to raise some GoFundMe money. That's, I mean, that's one of his that's goals. That's mind-boggling, this $200,000. Richard Haas, can I move, to, I'll move on yeah, to Richard yeah, Haas because yeah, it's yeah. relevant right now? He was a guest on NPR today. Richard Haas is the head of the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations, and he was sitting next to Joe Biden when Joe Biden made that alleged quid pro quo where he said 
I didn't give them the money, the billions of dollars. And I withheld the aid until they fired the prosecutor in Ukraine. So Haas was next to him in that moment. Haas was the guy who was moderating that because his ghostwriter was on one side of him, and he was talking to a moderator on the stage. I believe that was Richard Haas. Wow. Yeah, yeah I don't recognize. I, I don't know what he looks like, so I didn't know. Richard Haas was a guest on NPR this morning, and they asked him the important questions since he was the guy that was right there. They wanted to know what's the difference in Trump's quid pro quo and Biden's quid pro quo. And they asked, was what Biden did a quid pro quo? And he said enthusiastically, he said, absolutely, it is a quid pro quo. Quid pro quos are the, quote, milk of foreign policy. There's always a quid pro quo. And then he goes on to say, but Biden's quid pro quo was normal because it was linked (laughs) to normal policy goals. And then he says, and this is not just an American policy. It's an EU policy. It was an EU policy to help Ukraine on the condition that they tighten up their laws against corruption. Right. So then he says, well, what about Trump's? interaction with the Ukraine president, is that okay? And Haas says, no, it's not okay. There was a quid pro quo, but it's about what he's asking for. And he said that the qualitative difference here is that the quid pro quo with Trump is not tied to the national interest, but to his personal interest. And then he says Trump's demand, he points to Trump's demand for Ukraine to come up with dirt on a political opponent. I say it is in our national interest to investigate Biden personally. Of course. And I mean, finish what you can say because I'm like I'm just triggered saying, beyond. It's just unbelievable. I can't contain that he says myself. They're the exact same thing, but clearly Biden's was tied to national interest and but clearly Trump's was personal. What a joke. Here's the problem with all of this it's exactly the same problem as when they, def- they, they took the um, MAGA hat kids' case, the defamation case. They dismissed it. These are questions of fact. The question that he is saying is answered is not answered. I know. It requires an investigation. Biden was not doing it out of his heart, and neither was the EU, neither was Newland. They were doing it for oil and gas companies and who know what, and mostly to line their own pockets. This anti-corruption scam they were running, the overthrow of the government they were running. This Catherine Ashton was aware and did nothing about it that people were being killed in the Maidan. People on both sides of the conflict were being killed by the same people to foment this coup. So there are facts to investigate why Biden did what he did and also why Trump did what he did. And you know what? It doesn't even matter as much what's in these people's hearts. It it It's completely valid for Trump to want to investigate corruption in the Ukraine, especially if it has to do with Western actors, when the outcome has been billions of dollars of money from the Ukraine government being used to bail out the 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 fallout from this, when the Ukraine had to take billions of dollars and bail out Privat Bank, which was involved with the IMF money Biden and Kerry brought to Ukraine. That's our money, throwing good money after bad. I mean, I'm triggered. I'm a little triggered too. What's (laughs) hilarious about his statement is that he acknowledges that Joe Biden's quid pro quo was okay because it was conditioned on Ukraine tightening up their corruption laws. And Trump also (laughs) says that he was doing it for corruption, but – 
hostages. It's what is says, in their no, hearts. No, he's not it's telling what in their the hearts. truth there. He's clearly right. – it's just – yeah, it's all about whether or not you believe what people are saying on their face or whether you don't. So a real journalist would have said to him, are, are you saying this – you know, could have trapped him a little Socratically and just said, are you saying this really goes to motivation? And then yeah. he would say yes. And then you would say, okay, so how do you know for sure what Biden's motives were if you don't know what was really going on? Come on. Everybody knows Joe. Joe's a good guy. Joe, Uncle Joe. What are you talking about? He's too good. dumb. He's a good guy. He's, He's too, too dumb. Too nice, too uh, fumbling. He's, He's too good guy. freaking dumb. Uh, funny. Another interesting <laughs> yeah. story related to the impeachment hearings which this story is interesting to me because of the sourcing that they do in the story. The headline for this story is that Giuliani is considering starting an impeachment podcast to cover the public hearings. <laughs> We're on the eve of these public hearings, which is, is like the Super Bowl for these people. And, and we have a headline story about Giuliani might be launching a podcast to do, I guess, live coverage like he's a sports announcer. But what's interesting about the story is here's how they sourced it. Listen to this. I wonder if this is a standard they're trying to set. It says, Giuliani was overheard discussing plans with an unidentified woman while at a crowded New York restaurant <laughs> over lunch on Sunday. Smoking a cigar, maybe. The conversation, which lasted more than an hour, touched on details including the dates for his recording and release of his podcast, the setting of a logo, and the process of uploading to iTunes. This is a story, headline story on CNN. And, and why do you need someone anonymously sourced to say that they overheard Giuliani for an hour they eavesdropped on Giuliani and all they got was that he was talking about how to upload to iTunes? You know what's BS on that? He's definitely not uploading anything to iTunes. Well, right, you're right about that. It gets he might better. be able to talk if they put a microphone in front of his face, but he's definitely not. He's not doing that at all. How to produce and distribute it goes on to say this. <sighs> Two people who overheard Giuliani's discussion reached out to CNN and provided a recording that they decided to make of the conversation. What a weird way to phrase that. That's how they decided to make. Oh, well, we better make this conversation. There's Giuliani. I'm in a position to be a whistleblower. We better call CNN. And then it says they contacted CNN unprompted. We didn't seek him out. They contacted CNN unprompted after reading a recent story about Giuliani and the president's ongoing relationship. The people asked not to be identified and provided the audio recording on the condition that it not be published. What so is that? that? This is this is a source. It's an anonymous source <laughs> who's giving a recording on the condition that they can't let anybody hear it. Is this a new standard that we're setting here? So that's the top story. Unbelievable. It was this a top was on story on CNN. CNN. This was one oh of the main God. stories on CNN. What a well, joke. I There was a, a story I only found because it was buried in one of my news feeds about what Barr is going to do during the first half hour, Bill Barr, the attorney general of the impeachment hearing, but it doesn't have to do with the impeachment hearing. So what else you got on that? And then I, we'll I have to on. tell you one more thing about this Giuliani thing yeah. is they ended the article by saying they went and spoke to Giuliani's people and they talked about, yeah, well, he is starting a podcast. So why didn't you just lead with that? Why do you have anonymously sourced things <laughs> and, and audio we're not allowed to listen to? And when, what was the big tell? 
What was the story? The story, was, the story was that he's going to be – they're framing it in a way where he's going to be spreading disinformation by right, covering right, up-to-date right, stuff right. on the impeachment. Right. Yeah. What about this day in history? Oh, this day in history, Hitler was arrested for his attempted coup of Germany, 1923. And this is interesting because this 1923. is where— 1923. Was that the Munich? Was that in Munich? I can't remember exactly where it Munich's was. push. But this is where he became a political prisoner. Saul Alinsky writes about this. You become a political prisoner. It raises your status on the streets, mm. and it gives you time to write your manifesto and write your book. And this is when he wrote Mein Kampf. Oh, yeah. He was yeah, in the jail cell. I have that etched it. in my mind. Like, right. It's in my mind. When I think of Mein Kampf, I think of him sitting I picture him cop. writing it, too. Me, too. Yeah. And it's funny because— to, That's to, messed up. This is on the eve of the impeachment hearings where one side calls it a coup. The other side calls it corruption. And that Trump was accused by his ex-wife of having Mein Kampf in his nightstand. There you go. I remember when he— I remember like the moment I was pulling out of my driveway and I heard Trump say something about we'll get like the trains to run on time or something crazy like that. And I thought they're going to make him Hitler. And that's it. I mean, it's so clear now, you know, so obvious now. But I just remember he said, is that a dog whistle? Did he do like whatever it was? I was just like, oh. That's Hitler. Yeah, and and there that was not anywhere in sight that, and he did that. So that the Hitler things are definitely real. But so, who are you saying is a political prisoner? Are you saying there's somebody now who's being presented that way? I think it could get to that way like, if, if Joe Biden were to be investigated. He could be. He could frame himself as being politically right, persecuted. Okay. So just as being persecuted, because I think that's Trump what is happening same. with Trump. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So this is what Barr is doing. Can I tell you what Barr is yeah. doing? Barr is launching Project Guardian at 10.30 tomorrow morning. And the impeachment hearing is broadcast starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow oh morning. Gosh. And uh, so obviously this is getting completely, whatever, pushed down. There was not a lot of of advertising about this, a lot of coverage of this, only because people listening to me know it because we talked about it on the WSB show. And actually, I'm going to do a podcast, The Statist Quo, which I'm excited about, and we're going to dig into this stuff. So stay tuned for that. Maybe if they let us, we'll put it up. Um, we'll put it up through our feed too. But so, but you wouldn't know about it from the mainstream, but what this guy says, what Barr says is that it's basically pre-crime. They're rolling out a pre-crime initiative. And there's also a Republican, Cornyn, who's putting up basically the Response Act, which is about monitoring kids in school constantly. This is Project Guardian? Project Guardian. But if you look up Project Guardian, you might find the Guardian Project, which is a way to encrypt your phone if you're a journalist. And I was like, dude... That was pretty cool. Wow. I was like, he does. I tweeted that. You know, he does. He probably made a mistake in putting that that uh, handle on it. So that also, all this stuff that launched. I'm going to talk about it on this podcast if we have enough time. But all this stuff that's been launched, the bar stuff, the corn and stuff. I've been googling. I've been trying to research, and I've gotten so many hits of stuff that was of stories that came out during the Obama administration right after Sandy Hook, where they were going for all this same stuff, which is why I still like think the best caller I ever got was the guy who said it will take a Republican. 
because it will, and it yeah. is, and that's what we're getting. But it was, it's all Obama-era initiatives. And this, but what Sandy Hook was in the news, Sandy Hook is what kind of was the the big launch moment of all of this stuff where it went beyond gun control into mental health, background checks, record sharing between states and feds, which is illegal. All this kind of stuff came out of Sandy Hook. And there was a story about how the Supreme Court is allowing Sandy Hook victims' families to sue Remington because the the Bushman, it was it a Bushman style? It's called Bushman. AR-15 style, yeah, the AR-15 style rifle that Lanza supposedly had is too dangerous to sell to the public. I mean, I've got, this is, this is a gun. If they, if they can sue gun companies for selling guns that are dangerous, it'll go the way of incandescent light bulbs, which were never formally banned, but they were regulated out of existence. This would be basically being like certain medicines, uh, especially for pregnant women, they just get sued out of existence, even if they're not guilty, just because the companies go under defending. So that's what would happen. But one thought thing I thought was interesting, and I can't say I liked it, was that one of the things they're being sued for is targeting vulnerable kind of like the demographic for mass shootings by advertising through video games. So they they push these guns. I, my guess is they're not like overt advertisements. They're probably just the guns that are being used in these first person shooter games, like and are labeled as such, so you yeah. know what kind of gun to get. But I just I I'm regardless of the legal implications, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'd have to see what they're really up to, but I'm not a fan of of what they're doing. I, that those first person shooters that games that they're targeting to the teens that's it's not good (laughs) it's not good and and i don't i don't like it i'll have to dig into it a little bit but i don't like it that's interesting because there was a story that i saw in china that talked about a a chemical attack that was conducted on a school or something and it also went through all these other types of attacks that have been going on lately and they were all knife attacks like mass murders via knives Yes, and in China, certainly in some places in China, you have to etch your name into a knife. I think knives will also be targeted. People are like, oh, yeah, why don't they target knives? I'm like, don't say that because they're going They might, right. Yeah, and knives are so much more dangerous. I mean, a gun, you know what you're doing. You're like, I have a gun. This is a dangerous weapon. Like a car kills more people than guns. Cars are as accidentally hurts people. Knives accidentally hurt people. They're there in the kitchen that you could grab them anytime. Someone told me never have a fight in a kitchen. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. You just don't ever have a fight in a kitchen. I'm like, okay, well, hopefully my fights aren't getting that crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> but you're not like there isn't a gun laying around everywhere. I mean, yeah. I even think glass, broken glass, like is so dangerous. But we yeah. use glasses, you know. I guess we switch to plastic, which will probably end up killing us. But they, but I also think that they use, like, I can't help but go back to that World Economic Forum white paper about analyzing how social media affects kind of military age, draft age men. And, and I feel like these video games play right into that. Yeah, they are doing a new advertising campaign for the military recruitment and military recruitment is something to watch for when you're monitoring for war stuff it's good to keep an eye on the types of 
totally up to. I've gotten. I think it's up as well. A friend of the show is telling me that he's just getting bombarded all the time. I know. Like bunch they're of people texting that... him. They're finding him. They're zapping him in parking lots. Like, hey, son. Yeah. Oh, this is a okay. This is a kid. A friend of the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. a young man. I know somebody who uh, works in production, and he said that he's noticed a definite increase in the call for uh, military commercials that are being filmed and produced. And there was an article yesterday that was talking about the new types of glitzy recruiting campaigns that they kicked off on Veterans Day that focus less on less. They focus less attention on the combat roles, and instead they highlight the lesser-known jobs like cyber warriors and scientists. And the ads are intended to surprise 17 to 24-year-olds. The Generation Z, and to raise awareness about the less populated roles of, of the army. And there's some quotes here where they, it's called the What's Your Warrior campaign. And it's interesting in the way that they're kind of military, militarizing all of society by focusing on the cool techie type jobs and. Like one, one, the one of the guys says, but that is society. That yeah, is society. Like that's, it, that's why I told people warfare. to read. Report from Iron Mountain yesterday because it says that society really is just based on a war model. I also think my brother was recruited into Vietnam. He wasn't even drafted, but he actually signed up uh, because of promises of doing something other than what they ended up doing. Exactly. They completely. So if you think you're going to sign up for one of those things, let me just tell you, make sure it is in the paperwork that you are getting a job that they like look at the paperwork, take a picture of it with your phone, sign it, take another picture yeah. because they will trick you. Yeah, they said that one of the commanders said that I would say this is, I would say that no matter what passion an individual has that any type of specialty they have, the army has a position for him. And they went on to say, and this was the most interesting part of the article about me, is how the ads are different than the previous types of ads. And they say the biggest change from the previous recruitment efforts are in terms of the use of colors, the use of music, the way we transition in the video, the types of roles that we're going to show, and how we're going to show these types in society and how they'll be benefited. And so, it, I mean, that's describing a propaganda campaign using the different types of editing and coloring and sounding and military recruitment ads and as technology gets better they're going to be able to do that better they can probably start doing virtual reality type stuff in campaign ads which would not surprise me and it goes on to say that they're going to be they're going to ha they have a proposed 335 million dollar marketing budget for 2020 for recruitment they want to recruit up to 69,000 new troops and that this is the most integrated and complex marketing campaign ever and they're going to be targeting people on social media that's really interesting i this targeting of advertising, really getting into people's psyche to see what will appeal to them. This reminds me of this project, Nightingale, this Google initiative that I'm looking at, where they are joining up with Ascension. It's the second largest healthcare provider in the U.S. It's a Catholic company that owns like 2,600 medical facilities, including hospitals and everything. They are taking all of that data, all that patient data. They're not making it anonymous. They're keeping it attached to a person's name. They're going to use it to predict your health outcomes, but also to advertise to you and to sell your stuff. 
And and when you think about it, do you ever fill wow, out like yeah. medical forms? And like I've been uncomfortable. Like, what's your smoking history? Yeah. What's your parent? Or, do you know? Is anybody addicted to drugs? Anybody have mental illness? Anybody die young? Like all of that stuff is stuff that you're supposed to answer. Stuff I don't I, I don't want to answer that stuff. Like yeah. it makes me concerned. And I have a, a sister who's in healthcare, and she's like, it is so. You were so paranoid to not trust anybody i'm like i just don't want to write you know i don't know i have eight brothers and sisters everybody's got something there isn't one thing yeah. that they can't ask me you know just anything that affects one in ten of the population is in my immediate family and it's on my record even though it's not me so i don't want that out there and they're going to take that and use it, obama first introduced introduced the term to my to to the world, I think, in a State of the Union address where he's like, oh, my pre precision medicine initiative. But one thing that I thought was like kooky about it is they can really predict your health outcomes by looking at they're using AI. They're going to use it to interactive, further develop AI and then and then use AI to kind of model, I guess. I don't really know how they're going to use AI. But last night, my husband called out from the other room. He said, oh, my Gosh, season four, episode one. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Rick and Morty? <laughs> yes. So I like ran in there, of course. And uh, we watched Rick and Morty. And I thought the idea behind it was so clever. I don't, I'm not going to say anything. I won't spoil even one minute of it. <laughs> But it reminded me of this, where like you could, if you, it's dangerous to be able to see the future. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, did you see the the new episode? I have not seen it, but I'm just hooked on. I just love. You know how I many people have treated me like the new episode. I haven't gotten into it yet. I, I'm gonna have to. I've had too many people recommend me getting into the Take show. Take it slow, because you'll just blow through it. So they're only like half hour episodes. That's the problem with all these episodes being readily available online. Is people have gotten good at writing scripts that hook you at the very beginning, and then again tease you at the very end, so you can't ever stop watching. With that said. Tune in for the opening day of the impeachment hearings tomorrow, and you can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. It is Share the Show Tuesday. That's right. Share the Show Tuesday. Please retweet, share it on Facebook, share it on your social media, and pick that one special someone that you think would enjoy listening to us as much as you do. Share the show with that person. We will talk to y'all tomorrow.